Hello there. Welcome to my podcast, Princess in the Pea Survivor Edition, where we talk about healing from trauma, life's sometimes seemingly impossible tests, and how these ongoing tests impact our relationships with others, as well as the one we have with ourselves. Thanks for being here. My name is Faith Christine Bergevin. You can call me Faith. We all go into denial from time to time, or maybe more than we care to admit. It can be healthy, necessary even at times. Listen to hear how we use denial to help us and how we can little by little learn how to make peace with the parts of ourselves that want to hide. I don't want to think about it, do you? On living in denial. I've been thinking about denial lately, how it helps us, how it hinders us. Denial helps us get through the day. We can't do our work or take care of our families if we're thinking about our pain, our grief, or financial worries. We need to shelve these issues sometimes. Denial has a valuable purpose. We need to function. We need to detach from thoughts and feelings in order to get on with life. This is normal and healthy. We can't always be thinking of the hard stuff because for one, life wouldn't get done. Things wouldn't get done. And for another, life wouldn't be any fun. We need to sometimes shelve that pain in order to allow ourselves pleasure and joy in life. We have all had difficult experiences in one way or another, and we deal with it or bury it and move on. This is just what we do. It's a way of keeping safe, protecting us from what we feel are dangerous emotions and sensations in the body. Creating safety for ourselves in the wake of trauma some of us have experienced trauma, whether it be childhood trauma, neglect, emotional abuse, or intimate partner violence. These experiences have imprinted themselves on us in such a way that they took something from us. They took away our sense of safety in the world. They took away our inherent sense of worth, that we were deserving of safety, of loving care. They took away a feeling that we are okay, that things will be okay. Part of being able to go on and live is by creating safety for ourselves. And many of us, probably most of us, use denial to do so. Denial helps us create a sense of safety, at least for a while. That's not necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it's a common defense mechanism when life gets too hard and we can't cope anymore. We all use defense mechanisms, but I know they can be vilified in the world. Much of therapy memes and posts on social media imply that we are doing something wrong when we are not facing our fears and instead staying in denial. Even here, I fear that my essays are perhaps pushing the envelope too far, bringing to light issues and fears that poke too much at trying to break down our need for denial. It is not my intent, but it can be challenging to find that balance between sharing what can help with healing and what maybe needs to be left alone for now. Sometimes I wonder if I'm poking at those things which are so clearly trying to remain sealed and protected. It happens in therapy too. We are, in essence, trying to come to terms with that which has been hidden, with our tendency to be in denial. This is scary. This can feel unsafe. This 
can be the hardest hurdle to overcome. We are, in fact, coming face to face with what makes us feel safer. Our denial protects us. Part of the trauma response is to actually block the processing of emotion. That is a natural response when the brain finds it is too much to process. I quote, The psychological function of denial is to push aside overwhelming information to buy you some time and give you room to breathe after a traumatic experience. This may be conscious or an unconscious process. End quote. Conscious or not, our occasional glimpses into what lurks behind the denial can make us feel badly about ourselves. Being hard on ourselves. We think we're not enough somehow, not trying, not working on our healing if we continue to live in denial about certain things. We know we should be dealing with our issues, going to therapy, journaling, facing our demons, but still we can't. And then we feel badly about ourselves. We can't be perfectly attuned and authentic and in touch with all our emotions and thoughts at once. It's too much. Okay, maybe some people can. Maybe they are highly evolved or lucky. These people have found safety at their inner core and have made peace with themselves such that little phases them. Perhaps the image that comes to mind is that of a monk or the Dalai Lama, or perhaps even Oprah, someone who came from difficult beginnings and has had and continues to have a life of meaning and purpose. I assume overall, I'm sure even Oprah has her bad days. Still, with her, she remains an inspiration to millions, myself included. Yes, I believe many of us aspire to that level of purpose and peace. Okay, maybe not quite so high, but in the vicinity. We want to be healthy and happy and at peace and to have figured out how to manage our stresses or trauma responses and heal. And also have a life of meaning with interesting work and healthy relationships. We want this. We do. But we find healing so difficult. Starting something new challenging. Even New Year's resolutions can remain a pain in our side when we realize we are yet again not doing what we planned and aspired for ourselves. For goodness sake, can we heal already? Can we move on? It's frustrating because not only do we feel like we're not doing enough to heal and move on, we also often feel isolated as we try to manage our lives and find healing, whatever that looks like for us. The isolation of denial. Let's be honest. I write about tough things for this publication. Recovering from trauma, dealing with inner chaos, processing painful emotions, and sharing about unspeakable things. It can be hard on me to come to this place regularly. After all, I feel kind of done with my trauma. Yes, it affects me still, but I really don't want to go over it repeatedly. It is taxing, challenging, and makes me wonder how healthy this is for my mental health. And yet, I know how isolated I felt when I was first in recovery, still reeling in shock that this could happen to me. I just couldn't believe it. Here I was in grad school, a mature woman, just having me some sex, and bang, this happened. It took me three days to name it as sexual assault, a few weeks to call it rape. Many women do not realize a sexual encounter was rape until years later. How can this be? 
It's the trauma response. It's the brain trying to protect itself from an impossible imagining. Before, I had a loose conception of rape, how it might happen, believing what many do, that it happens late at night by a stranger. But the facts of rape are that it mostly happens with someone the, the victim knows. Yes, a boyfriend, a family member, a friend, a date. It is shocking. So the brain shuts down. It goes into protection mode. It goes into denial. Now, this response does not only happen with survivors of rape and sexual assault. Refugees of war, combat veterans, first responders, adults with unresolved childhood trauma all have coping responses, defenses that protect them, until the brain feels ready to deal with them. And here is where a whole range of post-traumatic stress responses emerge. Yes, these responses were there in the immediate aftermath of the traumatic event, but they were suppressed by a powerful mind trying to protect you. And all these responses in the body and mind can make you feel crazy, like an alien in the world, like no one can understand, like you are in a fishbowl looking out at a world, having fun and doing cool things, and you're like, what happened? So here I am, almost six months in, writing about trauma and healing these really tough topics, trying not to be in denial and inviting you to face your denial. It can be challenging to go back to this space, a space I worked hard to get out of because those early recovery times were extraordinarily different, difficult and different because I was changed. They were also extremely lonely. But I'm doing this because I know how isolated I felt. I write here as a way of paying it forward, if you like, sharing my experience as a way to give to those who may not have the words for what they've gone through or are going through now and who feel desperately alone. What helped when I was in the early stages? I googled incessantly about rape and recovery as I was awakening to the reality of what happened to me. I couldn't sleep as the PTS symptoms overtook me. I was outraged, shocked, grieving, horrified, terrified, and completely overwhelmed. I wanted to hear other women's stories. I found some of these stories in the dark recesses of the internet, women who sought out and slept with their rapists a year or so later in order to control their experience somehow, women who only realized many years later that they'd been raped, women who struggled with many of the feelings and fears I did. Reading late into the night helped me feel less alone. It helped me know this important point. There are others. Articles I found online were profoundly helpful as I tried to make sense of the senseless. Even though I was a trauma therapist and knew a lot intellectually, I was still gripped by powerful sensations late into the night. I would forget my training. I felt split apart. I did not feel whole. Online articles were a beacon for me because they reminded me I wasn't at fault. Each one reminded me I wasn't alone in the world, that there are others who have walked the path and lived to tell about it. This is what I'm trying to do here. 
be a beacon as so many articles and personal stories were for me in my deepest pain. Opening up. Inviting others to face their denial feels at times a Herculean task. When I receive messages from readers about how a post has affected them, I am heartened to continue this work. I feel encouraged that I am helping others unlock different parts of themselves so that they can see something they didn't before. It's why I do this. But I can't say it isn't challenging. I'm not selling quick fixes, eat this and you'll have the body you want, do this and you'll be healed magically of your inner turmoil. Although my monthly articles, Reflections for a Conscious Life, are my way to help you bring about increased awareness to wherever you are in your process, as well as this podcast and the essays that I'm reading. What I'm offering, and hopefully it is coming across, is a process of how to make peace with yourself and your past. I'm offering a way to look at different and difficult circumstances and cultivate self-compassion. I'm inviting patience. And yet, I know that this may be unappealing for those who want a quick fix or those who remain in denial. On building community. Growing a publication on such a charged topic as rape and intimate partner violence has many challenges. There are psychological barriers to signing up. People who have been violated want to forget about it, but they can't. Those who haven't experienced it want to pretend violence and trauma don't exist. They do. So the people who could most benefit from being here, reading this publication, listening to this podcast might not be due to fear, stigma, trauma responses, denial, and a whole host of other reasons. Or they might not know about it yet. After all, it's easier to focus on the good things, the positive things, even if you are having nightmares or are unable to sleep. The thing is, many people are hurting every day, likely someone you know, if not you. How do I reach those who might need the information here? Protecting ourselves. We must honor our need for safety. This is paramount. Safety was taken from us, no matter the harmful experiences you might have undergone. We must do all we can to take care of ourselves because it is our sacred responsibility. How do we continue to honor our need for safety? The very real strategy our minds have to protect us while also allowing ourselves little by little to remember, to process and to heal. You made it to the end of this article. You are okay. You have faced your denial. Now, as you go about your life, try to remember, it's okay to sometimes be in denial about things. It is how we get by, how we function in a world that demands our attention and doesn't have a lot of time and space for people's pain. We can take small steps on our journey, even if they feel minuscule at times. We cannot be perfectly healed and attuned but we can try to heal just a little. And when and if you do want to face the difficult things, the things you hide from yourself, know that there are others out here trying to do the same. We're here when you're ready. And so it ends. 
I have four footnotes today. The first one was the quotation that I read earlier. It's uh, from Psych Central. The title of the article is Trauma Denial, How to Recognize It and Why It Matters by Hilary LeBeau. Uh, it's from 2021. Uh, the link is on my Substack page, so feel free to check it out there. The second footnote is a statistic from Rain, and that's where I say that um, statistics show that most rapes take place um, by someone that the victim knows. It's not stranger in the bushes, even though a lot of times that's kind of what's sold to us. But no, the fact of the matter is, is four out of five rapes are by someone the victim knows. Uh, the third footnote references the idea of feeling like an alien in the world. So that is um, an expression or a quote or a phrase that I borrowed from Dr. Bessel van der Kolk. He wrote this great book called The Body Keeps the Score. So it's from that book. And the fourth footnote, I don't know if anybody caught it, but I didn't refer to post-traumatic stress as a disorder. I didn't say PTSD. I said PTS post-traumatic stress and use the word symptoms and so my footnote here is I intentionally do not call it PTSD for good reason the word disorder implies something is wrong with the person's responses when in recovery from major trauma one has stress responses a normal response to an abnormal event if we keep using the word disorder we will continue to pathologize i.e. make as if someone is ill for their mind-body's way of processing a terrible event or situation. So, I hope you enjoyed this audio reading of my essay and the commentary and notes. If you'd like to learn more about my work, please visit my Substack publication, Princess in the Peace Survivor Edition. Consider becoming a subscriber since this is a reader-supported podcast. A subscription will give you access to the latest articles on mental health and healing and how to deal with life's tests delivered straight to your inbox. Your support helps me continue to research, write, and produce this work. Thank you for listening. Be well.